You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections. The results, we interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans. I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist. And this is episode 92 of the Always Moto podcast, proudly presented by Liat Moto Australia. As always, I'm your host, David Hogan. This is the podcast that you need to listen to for the, all the information on the injuries in the AMA Supercross or Super Motocross, I should say, these days. We are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. And as always on the show, we'll be going through all things moto, but particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. This week's show, we will review Anaheim 1, the results, the injuries, and everything in between, the emergency department updates, and unfortunately, that list, there is a few too many people on it after only one round. We have our check-in this week. We have caught up with TJ Albright. Yes, that's right. Last week, we said he was going to be on the show. We had some issues. We don't record in a straight line as such here on the Always Moto podcast. TJ had some flight issues last week. We missed out on him. Uh, Again, thanks to Kyle Greeson for stepping in and at a a short notice to get that interview for us last week. But we've got TJ on this week. We check in with him after his LCQ win at Anaheim 1, so stick around for that. There might be some other stuff here later in the show that we're still working out. Like I said, we don't record in a straight line. Everything's over a couple of days here as we get through the week. So stick around. There might be some extra bits coming here later in the show. All right. Hey, Moto fans. This episode is brought to you by Liat Moto Australia, the ultimate gear and protection solution for riders seeking top-notch safety and style. From head to toe, Liat Moto has you covered with innovative helmets, goggles, body armor, and more. Ride with confidence knowing you're backed by gear designed by riders for riders. Head over to liat.com.au and gear up for your next ride to ride fierce. Next, uh, next, next, next. Now, need, do you need some foot pegs that are wide, strong, and functional? You need pivot pegs, super wide pegs with a pivoting action to help you move around on the bike that will reduce the wear on your boot soles and improve your leg positioning throughout your ride. Get some pivot pegs. You'll be thankful that you did. Get pivot pegs at pivotpegswithaz.com. And competitive edge performance, guys, girls, are you trying to take your performance to the next level? Competitive edge performance is the go-to strength and conditioning provider for programs in sports nutrition and on-bike coaching schools for athletes of all levels. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned pro, they've got you cover. Offering in-person sessions and top-notch online programs accessible anywhere, anytime through their awesome training app. Join Competitive Edge Performance today. Always Moto Podcast listeners, you can get 50% off your first month on their training app using the code COMPEDGECOACH. That's C-O-M-P-E-D-G-E-C-O-A-C-H, all in capital letters. And don't forget Slant Board Guy, if you want to get some of that training done on your own as well, uh, 10% discount for Always Moto Podcast listeners. Use a Slant Board in the gym. It's a very 
very simple piece of equipment and it will help your standing technique on the bike. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout to save with Slantboard Guy. And endurance recovery boots, we've got to do all this training. We need to be recovered before each and every session and each and every ride. Use endurance recovery boots to enhance your recovery. Again, use that code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase to check out and save with endurance recovery boots. And don't forget Tech 167 3D Printing. If you need something cool for your bike, they've got you covered. They're actually looking into doing some uh, toe hitch covers, some custom ones. So hit up Tech 167 3D Printing on Facebook or Instagram and get yourself ordered. Mention that you're an ALWAYSMOTO uh, listener and they will hook you up with a discount as well. And don't forget, you want to support this show to keep it on the road. We have our t-shirts available. They are $25 plus postage and handling. So show your support of the podcast and rock your t-shirt at the next races. Put uh, Email us at info at alwaysmoto.com. Put t-shirt order into the subject line and we'll be in touch with payment details via PayPal. Now, speaking of PayPal, maybe you don't need a shirt. And I say this each week, but maybe you're too sexy for your shirt and you don't need a shirt. And if that's the case, that's all right, but you still want to support the show, then please do so. You can donate directly to Always Moto via that PayPal account. If you're in PayPal, search Always Moto. It'll pop up. You can send a donation. Any amount will be well and truly thankful from our side of things. Uh, So please do that. Support the show and support the supporters of the show. And to find all of their details, follow the links in the show note or in our bio on our social pages and you'll get straight to those pages there. Uh, And you can get some purchasing, use the codes, all that sort of stuff. Thank you for those supporters as well. All right, enough of this intro talk. Let's jump straight into the show. Hey, it's Jake Runkles, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, welcome into the Always Moto Podcast, brought to you by Lead Moto Australia. Anaheim one has been run and done and won. Run, one, done. Yes, run and one. Uh, that's right. Jet Lawrence, rookie, Supercross race, wins the opener at Anaheim one continues his amazing form of 450 race wins uh, since he's gone to that 450 class there for motocross last year. It's been an amazing run of just wins, essentially. Um, It's unreal, to be honest, to watch what he's been able to do. But that 450, it was technically his first Supercross race on a 450. So all those people out there complaining about the fact that he wasn't a rookie, Look, the stat is the stat. It was a super cross race. The other ones were a super motocross race. Um, if you want to argue with it, argue with the promoters. Nobody else. That's just their terminology. That's where their stats are falling. So, yes, it was his first race on a 450, and he won. He won convincingly. So it was an awesome event to watch that side of things. And to be honest, to hear the sort of stadium in the background of this coverage almost in a bit of a hush that they knew what was coming and they were witnessing it. It was a bit eerie, to be honest. And then, you know, some of the commentary around it across the evening, as the race went on, that realisation was setting in that, yeah, he is pretty damn good at this riding a dirt bike thing and it's not just outdoors, it's everywhere. So, look, this is probably the future. We're looking at something really special here. Uh, Hopefully, we get to witness a hell of a lot more of it and nothing, you know, derails any of this in the meantime. So, yeah, awesome that Anaheim won 2024 has been off, kicked off by Jet and that win there uh, with the Honda. But I'm going to talk about those purple plates I'm not really a fan of the purple and yellow plate. I I know he's a super motocross champ. Can we pick some different colors um, or just a different shade of the purple or something? Because I don't know, it didn't look right. And look, I'm interested to see what the hell happens now. Is he going to have like a, 
a red background yellow number or a purple and yellow number with a red background. How does it work now? We'll have to see what comes out at San Francisco for round two when he's the points leader now in the Supercross, not to mention being the Super Motocross champ as well. So he has two plates that he can run essentially. Or do they just start tickly-pickly them around the bike and you can just take your pick? Maybe you can run three different plates. You can run the stocks down to black and white on one side. You can run the Super Motocross purple yellow on another and red plate on the front maybe that's how it's going to work i don't know let's see what happens when he turns up at round two but that anaheim one opener it always delivers the i spoke about how it all feels last week and how everything's new so the excitement level is high and it it definitely delivered um the the thing that really gets me but when i first turn on these coverage and because i've been to anaheim one before i've been to some plenty of supercrosses um in the states and I've been a part of that stadium when the lights go down and the pre-show comes up and the rider intros are occurring and the fireworks. There's something about that. And I, and watching it on the weekend from home with the coverage on the Super Motocross Pass that I told everyone to buy and stop trying to cheat yourselves out of bootleg links. Get off it. Get on the proper thing. It's working really nicely this year. Um but you, you get to see that pre-show and you get to watch from the stadium and you, they, they're showing parts of that coverage. You don't see the whole thing like you're there in the stadium, but you see a lot of it. And it's just, it's just you know, makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. When you hear that, that intro music drop, when you hear this, the, the anthem that kick in. Now, I'm not American, I'm Australian, but there's something about that national anthem when it comes on at a venue in America and the way they're so patriotic about their country and about their their flag and their anthem and they get into it and they have the fireworks go off when they've got the, the last couple of lines, it really cranks in and they always have that massive finish to it. They just there's something about that that draws you into the event, and it's just a super cool thing. And I got to see that a bit on the weekend in that coverage, and it just it gave me all those feels as if I was there. It's 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 amazing. It's like that 30 minutes of just oh, this is going to be good, and it definitely was an awesome way to start off again. It's it's just if you ever go to a, get the chance to go to an American Supercross, you should, but you definitely need to make sure you witness those opening ceremonies from a busy part of a stadium because the crowd is what also makes this so hyped up for you as well it's just something something really cool now the racing we sort of touched on it jet one rj one in the 250s a bit of a mixed bag there for the guys back with that jordan smith did really well um in the heat race and a reasonable good main event to finish second there levi kitchen held on for third max volan had a good night first heat race win uh, in a, on a 250 class for him. So I think that justified and made him feel good about his move to Pro Circuit Kawasaki. Shimoda was a bit eh, hit and miss there, ran, in to, ran up to the back there to get to fourth uh, in the main event, but, you know, terrible start. The ride for me in that 250 class was Mitchell Oldenburg. He was the one that managed to get caught in the gate at the start of that main event, and he rode all the way back to eighth. That's an amazing effort from him, but sucks that he did that, just obviously too eager maybe saw thought he saw something and went for it maybe he was doing the whole moto concepts i count to three and i'd go for it dump the clutch um that's what we've been doing the rest of the night don't know um, but it didn't work out whatever happened but his ride back through the field was awesome so it was an interesting one there now that that's on that side of things with the 250s rj's in a great place it seems obviously confident comfortable with the bike um confident in his skills at the moment and obviously last season racing jet has done his 
his you know consistency a world of good because he managed to get a lot of seconds to Jet last year, and obviously with Jet being removed, he feels like he's in the that place to take it now. Will that be the case? We won't know, but there's a chance with these other guys that we're about to talk through that if they can throw these results around a little bit, mix them up and throw them out again for round two and round three, it will keep this season really tight and really interesting. But if RJ gets next week and the week after, could be a bit of a walk away from his side of things, but the rest of the field could still be you know a bit jumbled up. Now, Jordan Smith is in there. Now, he's obviously looking really good too. Second year on that star racing bike. Obviously had a good end of the season with that super motocross side of things. Has come in confident, fit, healthy for a change, which is awesome for Jordan. He's had so many years of injuries, ACLs, wrists, etc., that it's just good that he's healthy and, and going again. And it seems like he's finally at a point where he might be able to contend again. So we'll see how Jordan progresses into this season. Shimoda obviously had that bad start, but he had speed. That's the main part. He had the speed. So if everything works out properly for him next week, maybe he's the one that wins next week and, and throws this thing up in the air a bit better. But Kitchen and Volan as well, though they were really interesting. They were in the fight. They were, you know, speedy. They looked racy in terms of they were aggressive with their lines and, you know, passes and all that sort of stuff. Those two have made good choices in obviously switching teams and will be looking to, you know, solidify that and, you know, make better gains over the next few weeks. They've now had a race on the bike. They know what to expect. They'll be pushing that pro circuit machine a bit harder next week. So there's five guys there that are really going to mix this up. And like I said, if we can throw those five guys out in a different order next week and in a different order again the week after so we get three different winners, this season could be one hell of a West Coast 250s for for that to witness and on an entertainment side of things. But we just got to watch out. We just As much as we want, maybe want RJ to win, that was my pick for the season, for the championship, for the West Coast. Uh I'd rather him not do it in a walkaway. I'd rather this get mixed up a bit here, give everybody some confidence and some hope and make it go down to the last round and maybe even, you know, get those East Coast two showdowns, make them really important so that nobody can back off. They all have to go for it. That would be really cool to see. See how it plays out. 450 side of things there's so much talk going into this round about Eli's ankle or his Achilles, uh, Cooper on the Yamaha. Kenny on the bike, on the staying on the Suzuki for the second year. Jet going to 450. Sexton going to KTM. A lot happened, um, but not a lot happened really on the results board from motocross. It was basically the same thing. Jet did what Jet does. I think we're going to see similar stuff, but based on what we what we saw at Anaheim one, if everything goes similarly into the rest of these rounds, you're probably going to see a similar pattern. And I've got it down here. I think you're going to see that fast qualifying speed because he's able to work it out over the two se- two or three sessions they're on track. So you're going to see at least one heater from Jet and that's going to put him up towards the front. Top three most of the time, I think, for Jet, if not fastest. What you're going to see in the heats is what he did exactly in there. If he doesn't get a whole shot, he's not going to run away. He's going to work on his lines and he's going to figure out and learn from the other guys. He was watching Cooper Webb in that heat race. Yes, he caught up to him. Yes, he went down. You're going to see those mistakes in those heat races from him because I think he's going to try and push things, try things, work on a line, maybe try and get something faster than anybody else can while he's figuring this out in the heats because that's where he can do those things that then pay dividends in the main event. The main events, I think you're going to see very similar things. If he has that same starting ability, those hole shots that he was able to pull from seemingly anywhere 
at any at will across the um, outdoor season. If he has that in Supercross, well, one, you're going to see just that same sort of process of the management mode that is going to kick in and a five to ten second lead and just stay in that zone throughout the whole twenty minute main. But if he doesn't get that, he's going to you're going to see those quick passes. You could see that that was what he was trying to do in that very first few couple of corners there when Jason Anderson went past him. He made a quick move back in that second corner, blocked him out of it, went straight back to the lead. He wasn't having any of it. He wanted to be at the front. There's just that he's just willing himself to the front. So, yeah, occasionally I think you're going to see a mistake in that because he's going to push too hard, kind of like what happened at the Motocross of Nations in that first moto. He tried to move to the front, wasn't comfortable, didn't have the space and made a mistake and went down. That's always a risk in that time, that point in the race, but I think that's not going to happen too often. I think we're just going to see that same sort of process that we saw in the outdoors. Good start, push to the front early, get a gap, maintain the gap. And it seemed like he had speed to burn whenever he needed it. He pulled away. At one point, obviously, Anderson pulled back in, but then there was some lappers in that space of time. He missed the rhythm apparently a couple of times that we could see in the in the coverage and then from other reports we've heard that he missed it um, a few laps in a row. But then as soon as he got it all together again, no lappers in the way, gap went straight back out. So pretty easy to see that this might be Jet's beginning of a decent run. Not just wins, but maybe championships. But obviously, it's early. Don't want to get too caught up in that. But it's hard not to when you see what he's done so far already. The future is ominous if everything goes to plan. Um, and I had to laugh. I had to laugh. If you've seen Gate Drop um, MX's interview with Darren Lawrence, it sort of flashed me back to my interview with him from Red Bud post-race and when he was talking about the crash of Hunter that took him out of that second moto in Red Bud and how he was just so Aussie and open and just, you know, he was a muppet, he was this, he was that. The way he was sort of talking about both boys um, and the different things, uh, he was just pointing out how everybody's been trying to find reasons why Jet isn't that good. And the way that Dazzy put it with the motherfuckers, he is that good. That was such an Aussie thing to say, but kind of just, yeah, duh. Like, look at it. He's he's doing it. So, yeah, look, I think you're going to see a lot more Dazzy. Um, People are going to love those interviews, and I think more people are going to track him down. Um, and I'm really glad that I got to talk to him at Red Bud. But, um, yeah, look, that was that was interesting. That was funny and interesting and just great to see. All right, let's talk about some injury side of things quickly here. We're not in the emergency department just yet. We're just going to bring up that same process that we've sort of had over the last year or so where we sort of hit that concussion discussion. Um, the whole concussion protocol, we've gone through it on past shows. We'll end up probably doing it again at some point during the season because I'm sure it's going to come up even more so than what it is right now. But there is a protocol in place that the AMA follows for any concussions that are sustained. But what's lacking, in my opinion, is that preventative pre-screen um, or screen, additional screenings when there's a potential concussion occurred not just that there is a concussion that's happened and then they put them onto the protocol but that whole side of things that other mainstream sports your footballs your soccers your crickets all those sorts of i don't know if baseball's done it nfl's done it where they bring the player off and do an assessment there and then because they've seen a contact that was potentially dangerous and concussion causing and they do that check there and then they send them back out if they're all clear or they withhold them make them miss a race etc um but, yeah, this is something that I feel that there's two incidents on the weekend that probably should have had that and I'm almost certain didn't. But 
this is where that concussion discussion should start bringing this to light and maybe bring that process out in future iterations of the concussion protocol for the AMA and, you know, Australian Oz Pro MX, Supercross, World Supercross, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, across all of the racing fields. The Cooper Webb crash, the Hunter Lawrence crash. Now, the reason I bring up the Hunter Lawrence crash, um, the one with Freeze where he went down on the start, Dazzy said in that same interview at Gate Drop MX that Hunter's face was bruised. And if you check it out in his interview before the LCQ, you can sort of see some of that starting to come through. If your face and forehead is bruised where your helmet has impacted you, that tells me that the head got an impact knock and should be a concussion test occurring. Again, the Alpine Stars helmets, they blow those visors off, but that's a bit of a sign that says the head's hit the ground hard, right? The visor's blown off. That should be a trigger for a concussion test. It doesn't mean they have to be pulled off the track there and then tested, yep, right, you can go back on, you're a lap, two laps down, suck it, sorry, but that's part of the thing. I just mean after that heat race, when he's finished, they should have called him over, gone, right, you get the test, and if you don't pass the test, then you don't get to race further throughout the night. But if you pass the test, continue on, great. We just need to make sure that their health is first and foremost. The same with that Cooper Webb crash in the main event when he went over the bars and face-planted. That was a face-first impact into the ground at a reasonable pace at a reasonable height. That should trigger, again, he got up, I feel like he sort of, ducked the Alpine star guys there. You could sort of see him trying to pull the visor out of his face because it jammed down into the mouthpiece of the helmet. And he didn't really go towards the Alpine stars. He sort of had a stagger around. He found the bike. He kept going. Again, if they had got to him and they could have talked to him, maybe they stop him and check him a bit further. But he finished the race. I'm okay with that. But what again, what should happen straight away afterwards? We've seen you, Mr. Webb. We've seen you hit your face first on the ground. You need to be report to the Alpine Stars medic within half an hour of the main event being complete. Um, here's a ticket that's or a text that's been sent to your team manager. Um, we need to process this or you'll be fined and or disqualified from the next round. Please come and do the assessment. If the assessment's clear, you're all good to go. Thanks for coming. We just need that process in place and I don't feel it's getting enough attention enough scrutiny um it's all being done once there's a definite concussion confirmed but we need to screen the potential chance of a concussion being occurred not wait for it to go oh yeah he's goo goo gaga or he's completely out on the track and we have to put him on the mule and the backboard to take him off no 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 we should be better at that because there's different grades of concussions and obviously if we're having multiples of these lower grade concussions week after week because the same rider keeps having minor crashes we're doing similar damage in the long run as if we just had one big you know he's out cold for three minutes and he's you know has two weeks off and then comes back and races it needs to be better that's why we're talking about it i want it to be better but that concussion discussion will continue throughout this show it will come up more often than not um you know helmets like what we use here the Liat Moto helmets, um, you know, that test reasonably well in safety ratings and that side of things. Um, these are all things that need to be improved. The, you know, Liat could improve, Arai could improve, you know, Bell, Alpine Stars, they all can improve their helmet tech. And if we're talking about it here, um, you know, hopefully that's encouraging these places to do something about it. 
All right, let's touch into a quick bit of fantasy talk. Obviously, the Always Motor Fantasy League was something we had on Pulp MX. We're not on Pulp MX this year because of the changes to that game, but we have got a bootleg version available thanks to Lachlan within our group chat on Always Moto um, on the Instagram page. If you want to be a part of our bootleg fantasy, you can get into it. You just need to send me a DM. Uh, on Instagram, we can get in that group and then you've got to get in touch with Lachlan. You need a Gmail email address to be able to access the spreadsheet um, and then we can, yeah, he's organised it all and we're able to do a very similar fantasy game um, that you would do on Pulp, but you can do it in Australia with us for free. Um, and we're going to have one sponsor this year at this rate. Um, it's Coastal Motorcycle Centre. They're on board. They're supporting it. We'll have a prize for the overall winners, top three. Um, we do have a reasonable amount of people already in it, which is great. Um, and if you want to get in it, we will have a drop round. So you can get in still, even though we've had the first round already, it is possible to be a part of it because you won't miss out because we'll have a drop round as a part of the league. So thanks, massive thanks to Lachlan for getting that organised. Um, I kind of went into went into our fuck mode when the pulp game changed, didn't know what to do with it, had thoughts about doing this, exactly what Lachlan did myself. Um, too busy, too hard, too... To <laughs> couldn't care at that point got over it went oh well we'll just we'll be out on that side of things um but yeah Lachlan stepped up saved the day we're running it we're going it it's awesome we do have that Rocky Mountain League as well you can join into there's details on our social posts that you can find um to join into that um but yeah the 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 bootleg game is the game that's the one that I'll be a part of um the most um, and the one that I'll be paying attention to the most so yeah awesome job there Lachlan appreciate it uh, but yeah send me a dm on instagram we'll get you into the fantasy league group chat and you need a gmail address and you'll be a part of it all right let's take a break here on the always motor podcast we're going to drop back in with uh, a dave's diatribe what's up guys kevin rands here and you're listening to the always moto podcast all right, guys and girls, we're going to jump straight into a Dave's diatribe. And this one's a bit different this week. And look, there might be some feedback on this one. I might be wrong, but I'm going to have a little go about a part of what happened to me over the weekend. Uh, so stick around. Let's hear the intro music right now. This is Dave's diatribe. What's a diatribe? A diatribe is a forceful and bitter attack against someone or something. So keep your head down. You might be next. You could be next. And today's next is somebody I'm not going to mention, but they're going to know who they are if they listen to this. And unfortunately, it's something that, look, like I said, that I might be a little wrong on this. And I made a, I think I made a tiny mistake at the beginning of this part of it, but I'll explain the scenario, right? Now, everybody with everything in terms of photos, imagery out there um, is an owner, right? There's like, you know... Um, you need uh, consent or, or, you know, paid for to use certain things. It's all that copyright side of things, which is fine, right? Now, I use images from, you know, races, socials and stuff to put up in our posts at times. I've also used plenty of my own pictures that we've taken when we've been at these races as well. Now, obviously, I don't care if anyone uses any of my stuff. Um, I'm happy to because I'm looking for that promotion side of things of my work, then hopefully it will get spread around. Now, obviously, other people aren't and that's fine. Now, I try not to use any of that stuff and when obviously they have their labels on those things, I definitely don't touch it. That's how it works, right? Occasionally, these things will get shared around by multiple, multiple pages over a couple of days, weeks even, uh, and you sort of lose track of where it originated from, which in this instance is what happened. I popped up something uh, last week um, 
didn't know where it was actually originating from, um, but saw the footage and went, yep, I'll use that at some point. Um, waited a few days, but been going around for ages on multiple pages. And I thought, no, like I said, no idea where it's come from by this point. Uh, it's not labeled as such. It's not on the image. You know, sometimes they put a watermark or, you know, something along those lines onto the, onto the image. And you can tell this was not the case. Um, so I popped it up as part of something else that I'd put up Um thinking everything's all good, wake up the next morning uh, and I have multiple messages on my Instagram and multiple emails to me, which is fine, ask me to take it down, I did, but the manner in which those emails were received is, is what was more concerning for me and what the diatribe is actually about. Come at me and ask me to take something down, that's fine. Don't threaten me with the fact that you're going to contact my daytime job employer and you've looked up and named them from my LinkedIn or something where they've found it. It must have been from my LinkedIn because that's the only place that that probably is linked up that I've got that as far as I'm aware. Don't then email me as well. So that was from a DM. It was one point that they threatened me. And then in subsequent emails, which I have multiples, where they have threatened my uh, sponsors of the show about it if I don't take it down. How about you give me 24 hours to get back to you? Obviously, there's time differences involved. You don't always sitting next to you in the same time zone as the person you've just messaged. Give the person 24 to 48 hours and see if they respond. And how about you ask politely and say, excuse me, do you reckon you could take that down? I actually own that. And I wrote back and said, look, yeah, apologies. I didn't realize you did. I'd lost track of where that come from. Didn't realize it was yours. Happy to take it down. Took it down straight away as soon as I saw those messages. But it's more the point that they've come at me and threatened me and my other parts that have nothing to do with this, telling me they're going to get in contact with my boss at my day job. He wouldn't give a flying fuck if he rung him. So look, it's it's an approach point, people. You know, you can be polite in life and just ask politely and give some people some time to come back to you. It's not always got to be done instantly. So just chill the fuck down out there. Make sure that you've taken your calm pills for the morning and let's give everybody a little bit of leniency. This shit goes around on socials. It gets viralized around. You should be happy that your shit is around like that and being shared like that. Maybe label your shit better and it wouldn't happen that we wouldn't, you know, be able to do it. Um, but then don't, you know, be asking me how, oh, how did you get it? Where did you find it? Oh, why did they not have my shit on it? I don't know. They obviously chopped it out, cropped it out somehow. I don't know. I just saw it and went, oh, it looks cool. But it's, I've seen it on five other fucking pages by now. Must be one of those things that's just happy for use. So don't, don't just charge at me like that. Give me some time. Be polite. Use some manners, people. It's not hard. I was polite back. There's no need to be aggro at that point bit pissed about that um won't be contacting that person any further and we'll definitely be staying away from their stuff um and if i ever come across them at a race i'll tell them such to their face um but if you're listening just be polite it's not hard ask politely give me a little bit of time there's a time zone difference from america to the u.s of about a day and i'm usually asleep and you're awake that's usually how this shit works on the other side of the planet so just chill the fuck out all right dave's diatribe that's it for this week Hey, I'm Bubba Pauly from the MadParts.com Kawasaki Supercross Race Team, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back on the Always Moto Podcast. We are jumping straight into the emergency department. The emergency department. All the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. You do not want to be on this list 
A1 is not where you want to get injured. Everybody's watching. Everybody needs to get through the round and get on with the season so they can make some points, make some money, get a national number. If you get injured here, it basically screws 2024. And unfortunately, we have nine injuries that I know of from the opener that are going to impact these guys' seasons. Uh, so we're going to get through this list here and bring you what we know at this stage. We're obviously recording this. Uh, it's Wednesday night here in Australia, so it's only Tuesday – what is it? Wednesday morning probably by this point in some places in the States. So we don't have all the information yet. We've got some more things coming. Now, because of that and because we're trying something different – we had been recording the Emergency Department YouTube video as the same recording for the podcast. They're going to be two separate things. They're going to be two different amounts of information. So what we have here will only be part of what it is that you get over on the on the YouTube channel. So you're going to have to subscribe to both people. That's how this is going to work. If you want to know everything that we know, you're going to have to look at both. So make sure you check out the YouTube channel. It will be out in a day or so. The uh, obviously the podcast you're already listening to it right now it will be your first point to get some of this information but we're going to bring more and more and then obviously what we also get on the last point that we do the updates for the week is our article our emergency department article that we do on fullnoise.com.au so you check that out and you'll find out the last bits of information and then our final point right up to race day Right up to the start of the races, um, we do our social posts on the Instagram, on Twitter, um, across Facebook. If we know something else, we'll put it there. So you've got to be subscribed to everything we're doing, people. All right, let's get to these things. Now, first thing we're going we're gonna to tackle, the big rumours, the big, big rumours for uh, Star Racing Yamaha's Hayden Deegan. It's been swirling around now for a while that there's an injury, um, but at this point, it's just a rumour. We've reached out to the team. We've reached out with Yamaha. There's nothing official anywhere. Yes, other media sources are saying they've heard things. Again, it's all rumors at this point. There might be an injury there. Don't get me wrong. There might be an injury. But at this point, it's all rumors. Nobody's got a photo of him. Nobody's got an x-ray to prove it. Nobody's got him in a cast, etc., etc. It's a rumor for now. So when we know more, we'll bring it more. But let's speculate for a second. If he did get injured a week or so ago and... East Coast is Detroit first round, which is February. He has probably spot on five to six weeks to be ready for that. If it's a fracture, he is right on the limit of being ready to be in racing if it's a minor fracture. If it's a major fracture, if there's other things involved, dislocation, surgery, etc., that time frame's getting real tight. So I have to wait and see what the information is when it does come out, if there is anything to come out. But for now, like I said, um, nothing official from either team nor rider. We don't know anything else, unfortunately. So that's the updates on the big rumors for Hayden Deegan. Now, other things to note, um, across from the, something we heard from Aaron Tancy, um, this was across from the Pulp MX show. He is heading back home. So we've been checking in with Aaron, but we didn't hear that one recently. Uh, but we heard it today when we were listening to the Pulp show that he's heading back home for some sh- shoulder surgery, um, some minor stuff. So we'll check in with him. I was trying to get Aaron on the show um, here soon so we can get an update. Um, hopefully once he's done whatever he's doing here in, in Australia, we'll get him on. Um, so, you know, potentially next week or the week after, we'll try and bring some updates from Aaron Tanty here very, very soon. So he can, the main thing is we want him back on that Team PRMX Kawasaki bike that he hasn't yet really got the chance to really get familiar with and and obviously make his debut on the AMA Supercross. So 
for 450 class that is he's done 250s previously um but yeah we'll get some more updates on aaron tanty um other things to note freddie noran got a for some facial bruising in the main event um from a crash that he had again another one that probably should have been in that concussion discussion earlier in the show um again if you're hitting your face and getting bruising on your face there's a chance that you have a concussion or a partial low-grade concussion symptoms they should be getting checked. They should be somebody watching these races. And if you hit head first, you should be getting called into a protocol step one of a pre-screen. And if you pass it, great. If you don't, well, you can go further into the protocol. There needs to be a better protocol, but we'll leave it there. But yes, Freddie Noren will be okay at this point from his updates and racing this weekend in San Francisco. All right, out following injuries at Anaheim. Dylan Walsh, unfortunately, in qualifying, has done a small intestine laceration. Um, I dare say I haven't got any information direct from Dylan yet. Unfortunately, he's probably been in hospital bed. Um, But I dare say from that update that he's given on his socials and from the other information that we've been able to gather from different parties, I dare say he's got a handlebars or the like in the chest, in the the, the abdomen area, I should say. now, depending on how bad that is and the surgery site and all those repairs points from the surgeries to be, you know, stitching everything back together and for it to be strong, because um, if you've got to get your intestine sewn back together, usually they have to cut you up from basically the top of your, top of your bits to the, to the bottom of your chest um, to, and then cut through your ab, ab your six-pack abs and separate them so they can get in there. That's not the smallest of incisions. It's a reasonable time, but hopefully maybe you could get some sort of keyhole to get that repaired, uh, which would be a much quicker turnaround. So maybe four to six weeks, maybe less, depending on the size of the surgery required to get in there. Um, hopefully we'll hear from Dylan soon. Dylan's normally been pretty good with um, responding to our inquiries. He's been unfortunately injured previous season. We've talked to him a bit, but obviously, um, you know, when we're trying to catch up with these guys a few days after their injuries at, at a particular race, you know, they're either in hospital or busy with doctor's appointments and stuff. It doesn't always come back quickly, uh, hence why we're splitting up the emergency department segments um, to be a podcast version, a YouTube version and a written version on fullnoise.com.au to try and get more of this information across the week together. Um, just like I said earlier, means you've got to subscribe to all three places. All right, Travis Olander, the Aussie boy, the young Aussie boy. He was over there having a crack at this American Supercross. Unfortunately, in qualifying, he's managed to have a crash in a rhythm section. We've checked in with him. He's doing okay, but um, he has got a hematoma on his sternum, so he probably knocked the wind completely out of himself and was lucky to be breathing probably there for a couple of minutes. Um, but he's going to be out for one to two weeks, depending on how sore that is. There's no fracture apparently from what Travis has told us, at least obviously what they can see on current x-rays. And I say this previously, but I'll say it again, new season, new listeners. Sometimes x-rays don't always show things up straight away for a few reasons. Main, one main reason is that there's lots of swelling when you initially have an injury and that swelling can impact the view of the area. And if the fracture isn't obviously a massive obvious one, smaller fractures can get missed because swelling can impact the view. So sometimes you've got to go and get an x-ray again a couple of days later, a couple of weeks later, and then you oh, all of a sudden there it is. There's the fracture you didn't realize you had because the first one said nothing. But that's all once the swelling starts to go down. So hopefully that's not the case for Travis. Hopefully he's okay. He's hoping to be there for a couple more weeks and try to have again another go at these AMA rounds later in January. Um, so we'll just have to see how that recovery goes. 
Carter Stevenson on the 450 Privateer Cowie um, had an issue in qualifying. I don't have any details. Carter, my man, um, he, he's my um, – hold on a second. Let me see if I can find the drop here. A slouch on the no, not my slouch on the couch. Get the bike ready. No, not Brett Metcalf. Let's get... Uh, and I'm biting the doctor. I'm- there he is. He was biting the doctor last year. It was the year before, one of those. Um, but no, he hasn't got back in touch with us just yet, but he did post that he's back on the bike. So he was just banged up from a crash. Probably wasn't feeling all that flash after qualifying and just didn't didn't put carry on with it. But he will be back this weekend uh, at round two. Uh, Logan Carnell. Now we've checked in with Logan. Um, he's waiting on more medical information, so we don't have a full update here to say what it is or what it, what we expect. But I dare say he's out for at least this week, if not a few more. Um, the videos that he's been putting up on his own Instagram this week, uh, that leg is pointing in the wrong direction, people. That should not point that way when he gets up and gets it out of the front tire there, front guard area of um, the other rider. It doesn't look great. It's about a 90-degree angle there. Now, one, a couple of people have reached out to me and asked what my thoughts on that were privately on the DMs, and I've sort of told them. So I'll pass it along here. But usually if it's a complete fracture of tib-fib, that's when your foot will generally go 90 to 180 degrees and point the wrong way altogether, and it will flop around, right? It will be sagged because there's nothing supporting the structure of that because you've broken through tib and fib. His looks more like the ankle dislocation, which is what everybody's sort of mentioning so far because it's stuck and pointing out a bit more rigid looking. But just because of that stick, that presentation is there, yes, the dislocation might be all he's done. But in a lot of cases with dislocations, particularly ankles, as it comes out, you can break what's called the uh, lateral malleolus, which is part of your fibula or and it may be even the medial malleolus which is part of your tibia so technically he might still have a tib fib fracture but it's just the location of those fractures those malleolus is just the ankle bones the bumps on the ends of your ankles they're the, they're sort of fragile when the, the foot twists and comes out they can break as well so um yes it might be dislocation yes it might be fracture we'll find out more from logan he was pretty good about saying just get back with us once i know later in the week so we'll check back again Check out the future stuff for the rest of the week. And next week, we'll bring you more on that when we know. Lux Turner on the AEO KTM Power Sports bike there. In the 250 main, was looking really good. He's a rookie. Um, he's actually fill-in, essentially, covering Derek Kelly from his injury preseason. Unfortunately, the Lux had a crash in the rhythm section there in the main event. Broken hip, broken pelvis. Um, he's likely out for 8 to 12 weeks. It's not going to be a short recovery there for Lux, unfortunately. It might be longer, it might be shorter. It just depends on the severity of those fractures and the locations, You know, obviously from a load bearing and what surgeries can and cannot be performed. Um, if it's hip, it'll be similar to myself. It'll be um, you know, a, a rod and plate into the hip joint to stabilize it. Um, he'll be up and walking around but yeah whether he does what I did and got the plating out of the hip that then extends the recovery time uh, but I'm sure hell is glad that I did because it feels so much better when I got mine out all right and Vince Freeze in the main event Vince Freeze had an interesting night of course as per usual for Vince um, obviously caught up with Hunter at the start there Hunter caught the back of him as he cut across in front on the start of the um, heat race but he also managed to have a a moment where he's tried to cut underneath Dean Wilson. 
Dino's obviously not too happy. Check out his YouTube. Um, but Vince went down in that, in that moment as well and managed to land on his shoulder. It seems that he's done an AC joint or a shoulder separation. They are essentially the same thing. It's just the colloquial term being shoulder separation, but it's an AC joint sprain, which is the ligament. It's a chromioclavicular ligament, hence AC. Um, but yes, this shoulder will separate because your collarbone will point up in the air away from your scapula or your shoulder blade. Um, whether now this is one of those funny injuries, right? Not funny, haha. Nobody's laughing about it, but funny in the sense of what you can and can't do with it because sometimes you can tape it down really well uh, and ride straight through it. Sometimes they'll get painkilling injections to that area that can help that one. Other times it's completely unstable um, and you can't ride with it. So he might be back this week. He might be out for two to six to eight weeks, depends on the severity of that separation. All right, and as we discussed earlier, Cooper Webb, uh, he will be on the track this weekend. He's not out following things, uh, injuries this week uh, from that crash that he had in the main event. Now, not necessarily making a return, but just racing this week, obviously Cooper Webb. Nate Thrasher, we've checked in with the team and also their team PR came out um, and that team PR obviously matched from the information we got direct from the team. Excuse me. Um, Yes, he went down in that main event on the same jump as Cooper Webb, but he he seems okay. He's been riding this week. The information as we had that he's looking pretty good. He's doing really well, but there was something to that crash. He obviously got winded when he hit the deck as well, but there's something to that. Whether it was uh, upper arm, shoulder, shoulder separation, he was holding that left arm. That was the side that impacted the ground first. He was holding that a bit funny. We didn't obviously get to see everything on the TV coverage, um, and you wouldn't have seen everything in the stands unless you were there as that Alpine Star Medic crew that was getting him off the track. But he was holding that arm a bit tender when he was leaving the ground, um, whether that was, like I said, from the upper, the shoulder, what I'm not sure that the inf- information we have doesn't really cover that. Um but it'll be interesting to hear what he says if they get an interview with him on the coverage next week or the week after to see if there was something more to that. Maybe he might have had a minor dislocation. Maybe he has a shoulder separation. We'll have to wait and see. But there's all, all that's purely speculation. But it's great that he didn't get a major injury and that he's able to race this weekend. All right, some recovery path updates. We had Ty Masterpool putting out some updates just before a one in the morning. He was on the cycle bike trying to talk. That's never a good idea. You're always short of breath. Um, But he was on the cycle bike, obviously telling us about his updates. He had that um, appendix issue at in super motocross there and, but they did that surgery, but they always almost also found almost always they all, God, I'm stuffing that up big time. They also found Two hernias at that point. Now, hernias, as a lot of you out there will know, it's where something, internal um, organs push through the muscle walls, essentially. Um, Now, that had to be sewed up, so that's part of his recovery as well. He also had some ankle work done whilst he was in um, getting that stuff done because he was obviously going to be off the bike for a while. That's the part that's lingering for now that he's not quite ready for, but he'll be about two to three weeks. And that was from our updates last week where we talked about that we'd spoken with Matt Bell, which is the HBI racing team manager there for Ty Masterpool. Same team, HBI, um, Caden Braswell has had a knee injury in December. He was watching Supercross as well. He's on the recovery path as well from a knee reconstruction, most likely out for Supercross. I dare say his target will be outdoors, but we'll keep an eye on how his progress is. 
maybe he's one of these guys that comes back in a much shorter time frame from a, um, a total knee reconstruction. We'll have to wait and see. All right, that's our updates. There's plenty of updates already round one. We're going to hopefully not have this many each and every week, but nine is a pretty decent number. We add that in with our other um, preseason injuries. We're, we're running about that same point that we were this time last year with around that 10 or so injuries per round. Um, not a good total to be having. In seasons past, it's been in that three to four range. Still, that's not very good. It's sort of a, as a look at the competition, the way they're approaching the season, the rounds, the, 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 um, and the protective gear and, and you know, all the processes that are in place. Something's got to get better at this. Uh, something's got to change. We can't be having this many people going out. We're going to run out of riders as much as we kind of did last year in Supercross, particularly the 450 class. Hopefully we can get some things sorted and, you know, not have so many of these injuries in the future, but obviously let's let's see how this season goes, and we'll be obviously talking about it plenty here on the Always Moto podcast and YouTube channels. Um, make sure you're tuning into both. Let's take a break here on the Always Moto podcast. We'll be back. We're going to have our interview with TJ Albright coming up next. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Scott Meshi, number four one one, and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. All right, guys and girls, joining us on the Always Moto podcast this week, brought to you by Liat Moto Australia. He made the main event in the 250s at Anaheim 1. Uh, he also was your LCQ winner. He's riding that Gizmo Mods Rock River Yamaha. It's the number 116 of TJ Albright. How are we doing, TJ? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, how are you? Yeah, doing really well. Um, appreciate you making some time for us here on the podcast. And uh, we are trying to get this done last week, but you had some uh, last-minute testing to get done. And um, obviously, it worked out all right for you this past weekend. Yeah, it was... Uh yeah, last week I uh, flew to California, and then yeah, we were able to uh, get a few days riding in out there on the the race bike. Just you know, even though it's the same bike, a brand new bike, it feels like a different manufacturer when you first hop on it. So had to you know get that thing dialed in before we were gonna go racing. But yeah, it was you know before that leading up to the race, it was definitely hectic for sure. <laughs> I'm assuming that's probably a normal sort of start to a season for a privateer. But in terms of like that preseason lead up, you've got so many last minute things probably coming together all your parts turning up your you know your last minute get your gear delivery for the stuff you actually got to wear the 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 you know the kit the sticker kit going on the bike probably um and yeah like you've probably gotten comfortable in terms of you know speed wise fitness wise that you might actually be above the setting that you had in the bike so you might need to tweak things last minute to sort of make it even better yeah yeah that's the biggest thing and like doing well this year like you don't actually you don't realize like how kind of last minute stuff comes together right because like if you do east coast you have that whole extra month to kind of get stuff dialed in but then you know with doing west it starts beginning of january so you know you know like it's close where you get stuff and get testing all right, so yeah, um, we've got TJ back, just little interruptions. We've got a storm passing over us. Um, so TJ, um, you mentioned there about like obviously the time frame coming into the West Coast being shorter. This is the first time you've done West Coast, isn't it? Yeah, this is the first time I've uh, done West. It's actually the first time I've ever even like ridden in California or anything like that. So it was it was honestly like a pretty big culture shock. I mean, I'm originally from New York. Um, I'm like an hour north of the city. So it's kind of, it's like pretty, not country by me, but, you know, it's by no means like the city or LA or like even California, for instance. And then 
you know, in Tallahassee, Florida, and right up in Cairo, Georgia, and uh, Millsap Training Facility. And Cairo is like a you know population of three thousand, so like it, it was a big culture shock, like for me. <laughs> so why the shift to the West Coast then? What made you change to that this year? Um, I've always kind of had some interest in doing uh, West Coast, just like as a privateer, kind of like you know, on my own thing out of a van, you know, it makes a lot of, it makes a lot of sense for a privateer if you station yourself out there. All right, we're back with TJ. We've got a couple of technical difficulties today. A storm passed over, dropped all the internet, but we've got him back on the line. Thanks for that, TJ. Um, but we're talking about the fact that you're doing the West Coast this year and you're pointing out that, uh, you know, it's good for a privateer um, in terms of probably travel and stuff if you're based over on the on the West Coast because everything, everything's really close there in California, Arizona sort of side of things. But I gather you're not actually staying there at the moment. You've, you've headed back east, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was saying, if you if you drive out there end of December and you you station yourself out there, then you know it works. And you know, for me, uh, my home base is out here in Tallahassee, Florida, because you know I train at at Millsaps Training Facility. So we kind of made the decision to just fly back and forth each weekend, um, and kind of because like I, I was out there from tuesday to the race day and like when you don't have everything you need like working out in a hotel gym and you know the people that you rely on you know that are you know just to drive away or something like that you know for me i thought it would be most beneficial since i am able to fly to the races this year um so i just you know am making the trip back and forth from the east to the west coast uh, I think I am going to stay out there, though, from San Diego to A2. Just, you know, some of the sponsors of the team want to do some testing. So um, I'll probably just stay out there that week. But, yeah, I, I I locked into flying back and forth, you know, racking up the, the miles on the plane. But, you know, I think it's a little beneficial to me with the resources that I have over here on the West Coast to – to fly back and forth yeah, around makes, the East Coast, I should say. That makes a lot of sense. Like you said, you've got all the, the things you need, the training facilities, the gym, you know, your nutrition, your own bed, the simple things that make your mental health side of things as well probably be in a better space than sitting out in California going, hmm, what do I do today? You know, I, I, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know who I'm going to see. You know, that'd be a bit difficult. So, yeah, it's obviously just more comfortable for you. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I flew, I flew in, I got to... Uh, I got back home at about three three thirty p.m. yesterday, um, and then you know just relax, have a good dinner, wake up this morning, uh, uh, do a nice little easy bike ride, and then I drove right up to MTF and got in the hyperbaric chamber for a little bit, and you know ice bath, massages, stuff like that. That's just so routine, you know that you know if I was out on the West Coast, it would be like you know oh, I, I hope I could find a hyperbaric chamber to get into today. Where here, you know, I just I wake up, I drive you know 30, 40 minutes, and I'm, I'm in one, and it, it's just it's just really easy with the resources that I have. Well, that would be a different expense too. Like if you are out on the on you know in California, um, you know to find a hyperbaric chamber or one of those facilities that has like the you know the ice bath setups, the the cryo chambers and that sort of things that'd be a different expense. You've obviously already got it covered in terms of what you're probably paying MTF for, um, you know, week to week. So yeah, as, as much as the flight's probably a bit of an additional back forth travel aspect, there's, uh, yeah, financially probably, it probably levels out in the end, I would say. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I get to I get to use all that and they the amount of the amount of recovery resources that MTF has right on site is it's actually incredible. So, you know, you're feeling sore when you when you fly back and then, you know, two two days later you're you're back to, you know, hundred percent ready to go just because they invested, you know, they invested in their themselves with you know buying all of this you know expensive fancy equipment that you know i truly believe helps so uh yeah it's definitely it's just really convenient to be able to fly back and forth yeah definitely well look obviously it's worked so far obviously the first round went really well um won the lcq and made it to the main event um nice night for you there in in anaheim yeah it was definitely it was definitely cool uh there's so much buzz around a one Anaheim, like you know, the the start of the Supercross series. There's there's so much buzz. It's a, you you hear about it, you know, for the three months leading in, you know, A one, A one, A one. And for me, like I was telling a few people, you know, I'm originally from the East Coast, New York guy, that I've never really, you know, it never really affected me like the the a1 a1 so it was actually nice because i was really relaxed all day and you know it was just like riding a another day riding you know my dirt bike anywhere else in the world so uh yeah it, it was definitely surreal I was able to you know get the lcq win it was the first time i won an lcq it was the first time you know i won anything really since i turned pro besides you know race local races so it was definitely cool to you know get a checkered flag and yeah i know it was just an lcq but man when you when you're the first one to a checkered flag and you know a sold out stadium it it definitely feels cool yeah that's something that you can um you know probably hold that picture up forever on the wall and yeah i did that sort of thing that's a cool moment in in your in your you know career of, of racing that you, you've got that there now so yeah hopefully somebody's got a good picture for you somewhere of that moment you know crossing the line with the checkers out so that'd be pretty cool to have yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, in, in 10, 15 years, I can tell, you know, my kids, yeah, I, I want to race at A1. You know, <laughs> exactly. they, I don't have to tell them what race it was, yeah, exactly. you know. <laughs> yeah, No, that's that's priceless, man. That's a memory for forever. But I, I gather that that sort of performance that you put together there at Anaheim is something that you probably think is capable of, you know, on a regular basis, despite the fact that you've you've worked back to this level, mate. You've, you've had a bit of a rough couple of years in terms of the injury bug that's, you know, probably potentially followed you around a little bit there. And it's probably nice to show that some of this preseason work that you've been able to do pay off. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was a tough couple, a tough couple of years to pass, you know, ever really ever since 2021, it's been tough. I, I was really close to, just being done a few times more than a few times actually and you know i just was just last minute decision you know all right let, let's let's do it again and you know it makes it all worth it but more more so like as a privateer all of us privateers like at the end of the day we need to like none of us are making money to do this on our own um unless you have you know unless you have a title sponsor behind you still as a pri privateer and you know for me the biggest thing is just seeing the look on with how much my parents put into this and to see the look on my mom and dad's face you know when when you do get a good result right when you know you, you do have a good off season and you do get to the first race and you do put in a good result i mean that to me is you know what you know that's the cool part to me yeah you know i am not the one out there riding i'm the one out there getting the result but at the end of the day when the people around you that have stuck behind you you know from 
from day one, from the first time you were, were on a dirt bike. And, you know, my parents never lost belief in me, even if sometimes, you know, through all the injuries, I lost belief in myself. And, you know, to see the look on their faces, that's what truly, you know, makes it special. Yeah, that's an, another nice part of this this story for you from A1. That Yeah, that's a fantastic thing to be able to put that, you know, um, make give them that proud moment sort of thing. So, yeah, nice, nice work yeah. on that side of things. But, yeah, like just touching on those injuries, like, 21 you said it was an acl 22 was a wrist fracture and a and a syndesmosis which is the angle ankle injury um and then 20 right before 23 east coast having another knee injury it's been a rough time and like you said in that conversation that you thought about you know quitting a couple of times and i i can probably see why in terms of that they were major reasonably major injuries each time that they've happened to you yeah, exactly. And and the, the like the annoying part is, is a lot of it was, you know, just it was so random where like um, it was just it wasn't even like a big crash or something like that. It was just, you know, small, stupid little things that it was just, you know, catching me and, and biting me. And then the, the big one was last year. Um, I was riding really good. I probably was riding a little better last year than I am right now. And then it was the the Tuesday before Houston, I was down riding and I just washed the front end in a corner and my knee buckled and yeah, I tore my meniscus and cracked my tibia straight down the middle. So that was, it was like, that was the a real like, you know, punch in the gut because, you know, you're going, it was my last day riding the last moto of the off season, mm. you know, three laps to go. And it's just like, you know, like that's this year, honestly, like the past two weeks I've rode two times just because, yeah, you, you can't think like that. Right. But when it happens to you, like me and my dad were talking about this, you can't think like that when you're riding, but when it happens to you right before a race, it's like, it's kind of the only thing you think about. So like this year I went into full defense mode and I rode two days the past two weeks. Well, I rode two days the past two out in California. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, keeping it super basic, you know, just the fundamentals and, you know, just getting, trying to get to the first one, you know? Well, there's always time to build those last bits of, you know, race fitness on the racetrack as well. So yeah, I can understand that mentality there of it it went sideways last year. Let's just make sure we get at least one of these under the, under the belt because yeah, it would be, it'd be terrible to have that sort of same thing happen twice because that probably would cripple you in terms of the mental capacity to come back from that side of things being so close twice. So yeah, good, uh, good plan. I would have done similar, I think, in that same scenario, but now you're here into the system them you know the races are going obviously now you can um you know you've made it this far you can you can turn your focus on to just getting each each race weekend done um and you know putting in some more of these solid results hopefully hopefully not winning lcqs every time making it out of the heats and stuff but making it easy but you know um just just keep putting it in the night show side of things yeah exactly i mean the it's cool to win it's cool to you know win but uh I would way rather get ninth place in a, in a heat race than <laughs> have to go to that LCQ. But, uh, yeah, it, it's cool. I mean, I'm just looking, the, the goal is to, you know, just build throughout the season and, you know, just get better and better each weekend. And, you know, just the biggest thing is, you know, have fun and enjoy it. And if I'm having fun and if I'm enjoying it, uh, I don't, don't see why my goals for the season can't be reached. Yeah, no, and look, you've already got a nice kickstart with that 16th in terms of, you know, six points on the board, mate. That's a, a pretty nice start. Um, you get a few more of these mains and, a, you know, a couple more in that same vicinity or better. 
you know, points are going to add up here pretty quickly. You might end up with a, a national number in uh, in 2025, buddy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's cool. Um, it definitely would be cool to get a national number. Uh, it's kind of something that, you know, it's been, you know, hindering me for a while, right? Like I, I turned pro um, in 2019 and it's, you know, it's something you always kind of wanted. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's kind of always wasn't there. But I'm, I'm cool with the 116. It, it's me. So um, <laughs> if I get a two-digit number, that's cool. But if I get one that's ugly, I might be a little pissed. <laughs> yeah, you don't get a choice once you get into that hunt, into the top 100. Yeah. So, yeah, you sort of get what you get given. So it's a, it's a cool accomplishment. But, yeah, I can understand if it's some odd sort of looking number. It's, it's not as cool as if it was, you know, something nice and round, 88 or, you know, 69. That seems yeah. to be everybody's favorite they want to get lately. But, yeah. Yeah, everyone wants the 6'9". Yeah, exactly. So, no, it's 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 cool to – I was still – one of those bucket list things that tick off, I think, and you look like yeah. you're capable this year. So, yeah, hopefully that can all work out for you. Now, let's quickly just sort of wrap up a little bit here, but our last question we like to do on the Always Moto podcast brought to you by Lee at Moto Australia, it's always that what's under the gear question, and we sort of t- touch on it, on it just to see what you're sort of wearing protected-wise. Maybe you can't see it. Obviously, you've got the uh, it's FXR, isn't it, with um with Rocky Rock River there um as the top layer. But what's underneath that gear, mate? Uh yeah, so it's FXR gear, and then um, I wear long socks, uh, Mobius knee braces, and then um, I was actually a knee pad guy for a really long yeah, right. time. And then I when I blew my when I tore my ACL, I got um or no, I had a I. I had an injury. I tore myself when I was like 10 and then I never got a fix. Still wore knee pads, knee pads, knee pads. Cause my motto was I'd rather be comfy because my knees are already blown out. So like, it <laughs> didn't matter, matter at that point. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then, um, I popped my knee out, my other knee, I didn't tear anything, but like I bruised my femur. Oh yeah. And, um, so then after that I went to knee pads and I, or knee braces and I've been on knee braces ever since. Uh, and then I actually just, I never wore a chest protector my whole entire, you know, ever since I turned pro only yeah. place I ever wore a chest protector was, uh, Unadilla. And then I just started wearing a chest protector like three, um, three weeks ago. So yeah, it's just Mobius knee braces, a chest protector, and long socks. Why did you bring in the chest protector all of a sudden? Did you get hit with some roost on a practice track and thought that wasn't a, you know, the nipples can't take that? Or what, what happened to switch over? I'm always curious on that one because lots of people like yourself don't wear them for such a long time. And then all of a sudden they put them on and like, oh, yeah, this is cool. But but why change all of a sudden? Uh, well, it's actually, um, so I when I used to wear one, it like I used to just feel super claustrophobic like I would try okay. to wear one and I just felt like super like enclosed claustrophobic and um I was actually riding like three out of three three weeks ago a month ago and um I landed a little left on like a super crush triple and it was like in some soft stuff it was yeah. like a wet day uh over at MTF and I had landed in some soft dirt and my chest hit my I knocked the wind out of myself basically mm. um and the the little Brian our uh, track trainer he comes over and he's like you good you good like oh like i couldn't breathe right yeah. like i knocked the wind out of myself and he like he was like are you not wearing a chest protector and i was like no like i never like after i got my breath back obviously i was like no like i never 
never wear, wear one. And he said, I don't want to see you out here unless you're wearing, you know, a chest protector. I was like, yeah, but like, I'm claustrophobic. I'm claustrophobic, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, no, like, you know, this is the dumb little things that, you know, happen. Like, you, you need to wear a chest protector. And ever since then, I've, the next day I had a chest protector on. And then it was actually weird. One day I forgot to bring my chest protector to the track. And I got there and, like, I was riding and, like, I felt uncomfortable without it. <laughs> Isn't that funny how quickly it can change? Yeah. You went so long without it, but a couple of days in and you're like, oh, I don't have it. What's going on? Yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, he's exactly. right. Like like you're saying, the, the guy that's the track guy there, he's right because those little moments, like that could have broken a rib. But if you have that tiny yeah. little bit of extra padding there, that can disperse the force just enough and it's a bruise instead of a break, which, you know, then doesn't take you out of the next race sort of thing. So, yeah, it's a yeah. it's a, it's a mentality shift. But, yeah, obviously you got to get comfortable. And, and I a lot of the chess pros nowadays, they've they've definitely minima, minimalized them. They've gotten smaller. They've gotten lighter. They're not as claustrophobic feeling. So, yeah, obviously you can, you can probably uh, be a bit more open in it now. So, yeah, nice to see that shift and – yeah, a bit more protection. That's obviously me as a physio and we talk about these injuries with people all the time. Um, yeah, it's nice to see somebody making those little bits and pieces to uh, steps to, to get you protected a bit better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like at the, at the end of the day, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make me slower. It doesn't, you know, the little bit of weight it is, it's not, you know, robbing horsepower from the dirt bike. No. So yep. you just need to, you know, get, if you're not comfortable with it, you need to get comfortable with it. And then before you know it, you're not even, a, you're not even gonna know it's on. Exactly. Yeah. No, awesome. Well, look, TJ, um, awesome weekend in A1. Hopefully this weekend uh, at San Fran, isn't it? San Fran, you can um, have a, have a good round as well and get another main event and, um, you know, keep the keep the ball rolling yeah exactly you know it's gonna you know it's gonna be a good season and the way i look at it now is you know i'm a main event guy and every weekend you know you know coming into the season you're like yeah you know where, where are you gonna stack up blah 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 but you know after this weekend i believe that i'm a main event guy weekend week out so now it's just you know get to the main try to get a good gate pick and you know you know start chiseling away towards that top 10 yeah, definitely. No, I think it's achievable. Well, look, appreciate the time on the Always Moto podcast. We'll uh, keep an eye out on you in the future and uh, good luck this weekend. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me on. Thanks, TJ. Hey, this is Cole Thompson and you're listening to Always Moto. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto podcast brought to you by Lee at Moto Australia. Thanks to all the sponsors that support the show here at Always Moto. It's really appreciated. Now, let's check in on those viewing times for um, East Coast viewers of Australia. Uh, for the Super Motocross round this weekend, it's round two coming to you from San Francisco. It's going to be a cool round. San Francisco is a cool town. If you haven't been there, I highly recommend it. Um, the cable cars, Alcatraz, Golden Gate Bridge. It's a very cool town, a bit different with all the piers. Um, they're racing in San Francisco for a change. I've been to the old Oakland Stadium, froze my ass off in that once before. Um, it's a bit of a shithole, to be honest, of a town. Um, not the greatest of places. You would have seen some things of people getting broken into and stuff over the years on socials. Um, it's a bit rough. But San Francisco itself is fantastic. They're going back into the, into the San Francisco city. Um, this round's going to be a bit interesting. It'll be interesting to hear the uh, feedback from the riders and, and everybody about the pits and and the track venue because they're on two different locations and they're having to get well and even the parking lot apparently is in different places so they're going to have to be getting between all three free venues to make this happen so it's going to be a bit of a 
bit of a difficult one. I dare say there won't be a simple option for a pit paddock as well. So fans probably won't be doing pit sections as much. Um, that happens from time to time. They don't actually have a pit party. Um, so that'll be interesting. But for the viewing side of things, from the Super Motocross website or live, the app as such, um, I'm in New South Wales. So factor in that if you're a Queensland listener um, or, or in one of the other states, you're going to have those slightly different times. But race day live starts at 6.30 a.m. in New South Wales time. Um, and the racing is going to start from 12.30 p.m. Now, what happened this past week was that first half an hour was that pre-show where they're showing some of those, you know, intro footages, special interviews, um, lots of other stuff going on. Um, but yeah, so the racing itself, I dare say, won't start until 1 p.m. New South Wales time. So that half hour show. So if you've got stuff going on, you want to have lunch beforehand, get it done. 1 p.m. is the kickoff. Um, but yeah, that'll be when Heat 1 kicks off in in San Francisco. Now, let me just take two seconds here. We've had a bit of a message here. I've had my phone seems to have the moments of um, of black holes here. I live off grid um, in a bit of a different scenario. So our satellite comes and goes at times and it seems like all of a sudden I get 10 messages that I've been waiting on all day. One such one is my man who I've been, I mentioned earlier in the emergency department, Carter Stevenson. He's got back to us. He had a big get off whilst riding... Actually, it wasn't actually at the track. It was motocross during the week. Um, managed to um, give himself a, a case to finish line, second lap of free practice, which just bothered his neck um, and back, which made him a bit uncomfortable. Also gave him his bum ankle a good good workout. Um, but, yeah, he's just needed some time off and he'll be good to go. Um, so we had to call it a day. But he'll be good, ready to go this week. Now, the other one that's come through as well, um, for those that haven't realised, Hayden Deegan's mechanic had an issue in the off-season. He went riding himself. Brent Duffy um, broke his leg pretty badly. We've been checking in on him. At the time when we checked in him back on mid-December, he was still in hospital waiting for surgery. We checked in with him today. He's got back to us. He's doing a lot better. He's back at work, which is awesome. He's doing lots of therapy, but he's making a ton of progress. So we're going to try and get Brent in on the show at some point. Um, might be a bit difficult considering all these rumors with Hayden Deegan at the moment, but once all that's going in the East Coast, I dare say we'll be able to get Brent on. Um, hopefully, he's going to be able to be a mechanic for Hayden by that point. Hopefully, his own recovery, as in Brent's, will be good enough to get him up to that point if he needs to. But, um, yeah, a bit of a nasty uh, leg injury for Brent Duffy as well. It's good. It goes to show that everyone in the moto is into moto and riding motos, it seems. So, yeah, unfortunately, the injuries are a part of moto. All right, we almost got done with that show, but we, we got that information in. All right, so those were the viewing times, 6.30 for Race Day Live, 12.30 for the racing. That's New South Wales-based times. That's it for this week's show. Great show. Awesome show. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Don't forget to send in those T-shirt orders to info at alwaysmoto.com. Follow us on social media and YouTube to stay up to date with all things moto. Search Always Moto, follow, subscribe, whatever it is. Leave a thumbs up, all that sort of stuff. Please do it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. And if your app allows that you're listening through, leave a rating. It's very much appreciated. It helps us get more listeners. So thank you. Please do it. Don't forget to check out the written articles over at fullnoise.com.au. But that's it for another show. Thanks to Elite Moto Australia. Thanks to Pivot Pegs, Competitive Edge Performance, Slant Board Guy, Endurance Recovery Boots, and Tech 167 3D Printing for the show support. 
Thanks to you guys and girls for listening. Thanks to the wife and kids for letting me get this done again. Remember, you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic having strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick.